0: I don't know what to say. I don't know how to start it. Whoa, 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 whoa.
1: One more go is here and we're gonna talk.
0: And there we go, that that's <laughs> that's the beginning. So thank you, Nicole, for uh, filling in that gap there. Um you did it. I'd like to say wonderfully, but I did the bare minimum given the uh, the
1: resources I had.
0: So so tuneful, uh, you know, s- such a proven musician as well. <laughs>
1: Yes, well, if we're going to start listing all my feelings. This is going to be a seven-hour podcast and we'll never,
0: ever talk about videos. Actually, no, we will. We'll talk about how I can't play them. And speaking of video games and not being able to play them, uh, welcome to One More Go, where we will be talking about video games, only we can play these video games.
1: And why can we play them? It's because they're games that we used to love. They're games that we still love. They're games that we hope that you'll love, too.
0: Isn't that right, Barry Topping? That is 100% right, Nickel Hay. And it's a very, very beautiful day in Scotland for once.
1: It is, actually. Is it
0: the first proper day of, like, a July summer? And here we are, indoors, talking about video games. I think we're going to have to close these curtains just for uh, added effect. So, we're here to talk about games. What are you talking about today?
1: I am going to talk about the LucasArts slash Konami SNES classic, Zombies Ate My Neighbours. Yes, a
0: horror classic.
1: A horror, of just a...
0: Goofy fun classic, mm. but we'll get to that. What about yourself? I'll be talking about my favourite game of all time, Mystical Ninja starring Goemon on the N64. Ah, A you've... game which I have deep feelings about, which have changed recently after replaying it. Deep, complex feelings. That's Very what we're all about here on One More Go. Too right. So um, since we last spoke to our lovely listeners, have you been... Doing anything exciting? you? anything retro-way that you want to talk about? And um, nothing that I've been personally doing,
1: but I did read an interesting article just the other day, which was on a uh, Play for Real, which is apparently where gaming journalism levels up, according to their website. Well, this was good, just good linked slogan, on Twitter. I'm slogan. not i I'm not a Play for Real subscriber. The headline though is that majority of gamers today cannot finish level one in Super Mario Brothers. I find that very hard, very very hard to believe. Well, apparently the 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 upshot of this says this was a question at um, Nintendo stockholders meeting. Um, uh, Satoru cool. Iwata, the president yeah. of Nintendo, was fielding questions. Can
0: imagine the atmosphere in that room as well.
1: At the stockholders meeting. Yeah, I suppose like after years and years of just like feeling great. Great, like, exactly. Just... I've, I've
0: never seen a of sweat, but I imagine he was sweating fucking buckets. Like
1: well. I'm... <laughs> You see, it can never get too stressful, because they just need to go, Pokemon's out in October, and everyone's uh, says, ah, aye. fine. Um, but yeah, like um, this stockholder asked uh, Iwata-san, um, I feel that Nintendo games today are much easier, which is why the Wii U might be failing. Back then, games were much more difficult, and therefore gamers really enjoyed them, and continues to buy Nintendo games and systems. Do you feel the same way? Mm. Now, Iwata replied that, um, yes, he does feel that games are getting easier, but he points out that there is actually a reason why. Because uh, they regularly test um, young gamers, well, all, all sorts of gamers uh, these days, and um, get them to play the first level of Super Mario Brothers on the Famicom. They actually
0: give them a NES. When, when they say gamers, I mean, people that can't complete the first... Le- I mean, a lot of people in Japan are gamers, so I'm not sure what their kind of focus group You'd makeup imagine, was like, like. But surely anyone that would be in the gamer demographic and complete the first level in Super Mario Bros.
1: Well, we'll get in for a little a bit more context, but you would imagine in that point of view, I mean, like, Nintendo's whole thing is about being games for everyone, so mm. you'd imagine it's a cross-section of
0: everyone. Do you think they've just just pretty much went out into society and been like, we've taken a group of gamers because we're all really gamers anyway? <laughs> right. Well, the way focus
1: groups actually work, and this is just what I know from, like, um, sort of TV and, and, uh, and film and stuff like that, the people that come to focus groups are the people who are free on a Tuesday afternoon.
0: Oh, So, therefore... Be, I'm free on most Tuesday afternoons, so maybe uh, I should get involved in this. Yeah, yeah, well, you, you know, you'd actually provide an Are they the same kind of people thing, that you know? go to, like, clinical trials and stuff yep, like that? Yeah,
1: exactly. The sort of people, like, studio audiences are made up of the people who are free on a Tuesday afternoon and want a free ticket to something they don't know is I happening. See. So, uh, yeah, it's always pretty interesting. Yeah, so apparently this is a test that they do fairly regularly. They just sort of sit them down with the NES. Um, And he says, Iwata saying, I'm quoting again, This year, around 90% of the test participants were unable to complete the first level of Super Mario Bros. We did not assist them in any way except by providing them the exact same instruction manual we used back then. Many of them did not read it, and the few that did stopped after the first page, which did not cover any of the game mechanics. We watched the replay videos of how the gamers performed, and saw that many did not understand simple concepts like bottomless pits. Around 70% died at the first Goomba. Another 50% died twice. Many thought the coins were enemies and tried to avoid them. Also, most of them did not use the wrong button.
0: Can we go back there? People thought coins were enemies.
1: Yep. I guess they ran into the first goomba and then were wary of anything that wasn't clearly something you could stand on.
0: Uh, like uh, I don't know if it's because obviously we've been raised on video games, but like picking up coins
1: Yeah, that's not gone out of fashion in games. Ah, uh, that
0: that is even really is the logic of that completely based in video games because I don't think it is like you're surely looking at them you know they're coins and it's just logic that you pick up money well, is that well, not like so hardwired into just... human beings that like oh don't <laughs> have us fucking enemies there like well maybe they did this test in like 60s
1: communist Moscow they and thought... everyone's sort of thinking money no we don't want to pick up money that's the root of all evil maybe they did it in Hippie Commune thought... and that's why these they... people have never played Mario before
0: Coi- they thought
1: coins <laughs> were enemies <laughs> they thought coins were stationary enemies. They thought coins were bad if you touch them. If you touch coins, bad you would things would die.
0: Happen. They thought coins were like just stoic, like antagonists, <laughs> no, waiting for you. They just sit there and tempt you, and then Fucking when you touch them, you hell. die. But yeah, okay. What's well, happened to Japan? Like, well, this is this is why. What, why are the <laughs> why are these people? Resp- like when the, like so Nintendo' are making a game right at the f- very early development stage, these are the people, these are the grassroots gamers that are affecting nintendo 's end product. Why is this happening <laughs> apparently right well, um just to get to the most depressing thing before
1: we analyze Aww. what on earth's going on oh, here, here we go yeah um. Furthermore, we asked for suggestions on how to improve the game. A majority of them wanted the game to be easier, and they suggested many ways to do this. Some of them wanted a mandatory tutorial, while others wanted more ways to kill things besides jumping on them. We explained that Mario could shoot fireballs with the Fire Flower power-up, but they wanted Mario to start with more weapons, like a sword or a gun.
0: Oh, fuck! No way, man! See this is where no I, no
1: no, 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 this is where I have problems with it,'cause like even if you're choosing like six year olds the idea that they've never seen Mario before at all, they've got no idea what Mario is, even if they can't relate like mario three d land to mm. like Famicom graphics, Mario Brothers, surely they can pick up on the idea that he doesn't use guns unless they are just like interviewing like Cod Bros on Xbox Live, ah, uh, that's weird, like. That's. They also. uh, Some of the people seemed to be unaware that this was an actual old game that existed, and uh, they asked if retro style graphics were supposed to be a throwback to old Nintendo games. What? Some missed the point of the questionnaire completely and said the graphics and music were terrible.
0: Fuck off! (laughs)
1: What? And needed to be improved in order for the game to sell. They also wanted a deeper storyline and voice acting. Oh!
0: (laughs) Nez voice
1: acting. Nez voice acting. But yeah, again, this is like...
0: What the fuck, man?
1: Like, you either have to be six years old or 70 years old or born in a sealed lead box not to know what Super Mario Bros. is. is.
0: I mean... This is like so many things surplus to gameplay that people are like, this game needs this to sur- like to yeah. be good. It's the, like, well, it's a,
1: this game wants to be a game I already like playing ah, in order for me to like playing that's it.
0: That's distressing. Like,
1: but you know, I mean, they're not saying you know we're like Mario's getting a gun in the next game. They're just saying we make it a little bit easier because people, are, you know, things like tutorial levels and that are, you know, it's a reasonable point. Mm-hmm. Like, I do think games these days having tutorial levels is generally a better thing than the old days which is something I'm going to pick up on in uh, Zombies Ate My oh. Neighbors later on but uh, yeah things like like people just not having the patience the, the not reading the manual thing is kind of huge because I recently got uh, Mario Kart 7 being oh. totally on the on the cutting edge of technology there just oh, yeah. sort of coming into that party 18 months late but I was kind of struck that um, that doesn't come with the manual that comes with just like a like a two-sided pamphlet yeah, a explaining start. the controllers
0: most 3DS games seem to be the same um, you can access the, man- the full manual digitally I think yeah, but you know, I mean, it's it works though. I mean, it's interesting cause I, for years,
1: was like a holdout on like, no, I'm I'm reading the manual. I'm reading all of the manual before I play the game. It wasn't until sort of like PlayStation Two era where I was, oh this is pointless. Bye. So we're both manual readers. That's that's good to know. Yeah. Well, well at least we're not sort of straying into the territory
0: of people who talk about how manuals smelled. Oh, uh, you know. that's that's a bit. Yeah, fetishists. there's a little bit. Um, so basically, there we go. N- Nintendo are making games based on the opinions of complete fucking assholes, <laughs> which is good to know. <laughs> People who have
1: either no respect for history or no knowledge of it, or are just mindless globs, like... globs of flesh who've had a nes pad forced into their um, not, not ponderous even... th- ten-thumbed hands. Well, we're we'll le- shelving our our Mario concerns for for a few minutes until no, we wake up at minutes, two in the morning, so... <laughs> just shivering and cold and. I'm wanting everything
0: to be all right again. Did you have anything retro happen to you this month? Um Yes, I purchased a new SNES. I have retired the awata sticker SNES in oh. favor of a, a wee modded fella. It's quite nice. It's a wee black and red number. I uh, got it from a company called Retro Mods Limited. You mm-hmm. can find them on Facebook, and the guy does a great job of repainting you he, he, that, that one's modded too. It has, it has a, a region mod, so you can play Super Famicom, or, um, Palisnes, no American, but you can get. He, he makes versions that have like a modded slot, so you can fit American carts in it. All oh, right. But sure. I mean, certainly for me, the the region mod's good because I don't have to use that DOS patcher for the EverDrive anymore. All right. It'll just play SFC and Palisnes games. So regardless. does that um,
1: get around things like the? Because quite a lot of PAL conversions were, were pretty poor, like they they were slow and things like that. And yeah, well, boxed.
0: it has the 50, 60 hertz modded as well for removing the you know the the bar the black bars at the top and bottom mm-hmm. of your screen, so you get you know your full screen picture so, out of it. So we're not squashed anymore. No, we're right? not, and you get uh, you know your games will run at the original intended speed as well. Which for games like F Zero in particular is pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Games that, that needed speed.
0: Yeah. So I mean that that's a that's a beautiful thing. Um I'm getting closer and closer to having the perfect the perfect SNES. <laughs> um but no, it's really good. I'd recommend it. Um if you're looking for a SNES and you can drop about sixty, seventy quid on one. Um why not check out Retro Mods Limited?
1: Uh, yeah, and it does look lovely. I mean it's a it's like a black pal SNES with, with red switches on it, so it looks kinda like Kit from Night Rider. It's
0: got LEDs in the cart slot as well, which is quite nice.
1: <laughs> All right. Yeah, that that's
0: like exhibit. Took a look at your SNES and uh, thoroughly pimped it. He certainly did. So, and um, that's a cool thing. Um, and also, my N sixty four is back. My original N sixty four, which it's had quite a journey, hasn't it? I, yes. The, the, um, when we're talking about mystical ninja, I'm going to speak quite a bit about the my current feelings on the N sixty four. But um, basically after being in a bit of a crap situation um, I was like right it's time to get my N64 back so if you remember we discussed briefly that I left it at my ex of 5 or 6 years ago's house so basically I just kept noising up her brother until he brought it around. Although it came back with two copies of Diddy Kong Racing Bonus! I know, <laughs> I, I have no idea how, Like, I'm s- certain I only owned one but so I got it back and it's back with me um, so I, I I refurbed the the Tame Whale N64, which you know, maybe we might give away as a wee prize. Oh, you never know.
1: We'll have to think of a good competition though.
0: But yeah, again, thank you very much to Tame Whale for providing me with that N64. It was a brilliant stopgap and it's taught me a lot about taking consoles and controllers to bits. So, um, Well, I think, no, I'm going to talk about a game. Ah, you're, you're at first, you're going to tell us about the, the zombies that ate your neighbours, I guess. Zombies. Zombies, the game Zombies Ate My Neighbors A game ate
1: your... Uh, yeah. <sighs> yes, the game Zombies Ate My Neighbors came Aye. out in 1993 for the Super Nintendo and the Sega Mega Drive. It was developed by LucasArts the mm. um, the game company that used to nestle just under George Lucas's belly tucked it's into bellies. His, yeah, bellies. bellies, tucked into the waistband of his boxer shorts yeah. um, and was published by Konami um it is in the most basic sense a top down uh two D scrolling shoot 'em up. Mm. You take control of um your choice of two teenage characters, a boy called Zeke who wears a skull and crossbones t shirt and three D glasses yes. and uh Julie, a sporty lassie with a a good line and a backwards baseball hat. No, it's a forwards baseball hat, and it's got ponytails with She does. Totally. She does. Um uh, and it's um it's delightful. It's mm. absolutely great. Um, as the the sort of schlocky title suggests, its its main setting, its initial setting, is in like sort of a suburban white picket fence America, where um, a zombie attack is taken over, and uh, your two protagonists have got um, water pistols filled with holy water, and they've got to to walk around rescuing their neighbours from these uh, horrible monsters that mm-hmm. are out to to kill and eat them. And um, yeah, um, the the game develops like its whole aesthetic is of those sort of fifties. Um, it's very sort of William Castle horror. It's like the uh, the sort of horror of uh, spine tingler seats, like seats with like electrodes uh, and motion okay. plates in them, of three D glasses, of aroma vision, of things like that. Of
0: uh, uh it, it definitely has that that Wurlitzer organ sort of horror vibe to it. One hundred percent. It feels like the sort of game you should pull up to a drive through in your
1: Chevy convertible no, and uh, you know have a waitress roller skate up to you with a tray full of fries yeah. and a milkshake as thick as tar mm. and then hand you a snazz control and you play it on a giant screen. Cause it's, oh, they, C- they can us- that
0: be a real thing? <laughs>
1: I wish it was. Now that I've just described it, I really wish it was because everything about this game screams that. The music is incredible. Mm. Um, just filled with that sort of uh, theremin, Wurlitzer sort of vibe your uh, your your levels every level has a title which is great oh yeah um, they're all,
0: they're all sort of puns on pre-existing horror stuff yeah you? like yeah. like the first level you play
1: is rescue the neighbors in level 1 zombie panic and then it uh, continues through there with like uh weird kids on the block which is um a sort of uh uh, pod people parody, where like uh, all the enemies are um, versions of your character growing out of pods and wandering yeah. around the suburban landscape. But then you go into like sort of shopping malls and and things like that that sort of spread out of that. And then later levels are set in like Egyptian tombs mm. and uh, Gothic German castles and things like that. And oh, it's just wonderful. It's so unified. It's it's one of those rare games where everything in it looks like it's a part of that game like there's nothing really incongruous about it all the art style just dovetails beautifully um and those enemies that you that you face off against um you've got you've got zombies you've got um little chucky dolls like little haunted uh, dolls with axes axes yeah the pod people Martian aliens, like the big sort of like classic Mars attacks, giant green puls- pulsating brain things. Squid men who jump out of the water to slash you with their claws. Mm. You got Dracula, you've got werewolves, you've got mummies, you've got Frankensteins. Some levels have got giant ants. Oh. The occasional bosses you get, you have a, a like a forty foot tall baby who squirts his bottle at you. And uh the the, the final boss is called Doctor Tongue. All right. who's a doctor who swigs a potion and turns into a giant floating head. All right. It is, without a doubt, one of the most beautifully thought-through games. Um, if you're not familiar with this game, but you are familiar with Day of the Tentacle, there was a
0: lot of um,
1: cross-pollination between the two design yeah, teams. Yeah, there's a
0: Day of the Tentacle level.
1: There well. is, there is. There's a bonus level... Uh, where the enemies are are purple tentacles.
0: It make. I remember seeing the tentacles in the, the context of that game of it, and it making so much sense. Suddenly, it's like ah, aha.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's Before like, I
0: knew what development teams were and that people could work on multiple games, it was just like, all oh, right, I see. I see. It, that 50s schlock horror vibe. Ah, now, it fits really well. Now the the
1: main um the main thrust of the gameplay, the thing that um makes it more than just sort of wander around um shoot the enemies is um. On each level, you have 10 what they call victims. Mm-hmm. Now, these are, you know, again, fitting in with the vibe. It's like uh, some fat tourists or a, like a, a granny with her hair all done up in a bun as a school uh, teacher or.
0: Cheerleaders. Yeah, cheerleaders.
1: Yeah. Absolutely cheerleaders. Um, when you start in the level, there's 10 of them, and you've got to rescue them by walking up to them and collecting them. Um, but those victims can be killed by the enemies in the game. Uh. So,. Um, and like, if you finish the level with, say, like the number of victims that you finish the level with, if you rescue all ten, you go to the next level. You got ten again. But if two of them die, then you've got eight on the next level, and so on. Now you don't have a lives counter, but it's also game over if you run out of people, oh, people to people rescue. Save. Okay. So, and and yeah, and like that, like makes it a real sort of tense um, risk reward situation where you've got lots of collectibles in each level, but you've got to plan your route to make sure you get to. The victims before the monsters do. Because some of them are quite isolated and easy to rescue. Others of them are... you know, if you don't get to them first, they're dead, and you have to
0: make sure that you get to them. There are quite a lot. Of, like the thing I remember about the levels is I love the w- the way of sort of traveling through different routes. Like there are destructible walls when you yep. kind of turn into that big thing, and then there's like locked doors and stuff, and yep, you yeah, can trampoline over walls and stuff. Yep, 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 yeah, I'll, like tra- the trampolines, like, particularly, I remember being a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, the suburban levels have got trampolines littered around. There are destructible walls. You, like one of your weapons is a is a bazooka. Which can knock it's down walls. Yeah, yeah. You also get like a, a potion which turns you into a big monster and can knock through them. And that's again a thing, because um, you've got limited ammo on all your weapons. Uh-huh. There's a full range of yeah, weapons. Quite there's, a lot. there's a water pistol, um, bazooka, a sort of like holy cross which like surrounds you with an aura. You've got like ice lollies are a weapon, cutlery is a weapon, American footballs are a weapon. Mm. You get a shot of like a, a Martian gun and things like that. Um, uh, and yeah, like lots and lots of variety, um, and it's a it's an interesting thing though. This is part of what I was talking about earlier about um, sort of not having the manual with me when I was playing it just now, uh-huh. because some enemies are vulnerable to some weapons and not to others. So like, there's a whole lot of trial and error, and running away from enemies that are seemingly immune to your your uh, your weapons before you mm-hmm. can get them. And this is where a slight frustration comes in because, like after you play like a few levels in a row, you'll have something in the order of like half a dozen weapons and half a dozen support items like health packs and potions and things like that.
0: Yeah.
1: And you've only got one button to, si- button to cycle through them in order.
0: Oh, right. So okay. like
1: if you're facing one enemy that's vulnerable to your water pistol and then another one suddenly appears that's vulnerable to your bazooka, you've got to like... Frantically cycle through your weapons to get the right one, I see. and if you race past it, then you're trying to avoid them, and it becomes I, I quite. I imagine stressful. that
0: leads to probably not wanting to pick up a lot of stuff then.
1: Well, it does not it doesn't, but it not really help yourself. You anyway. can't rescue. Well, you you can't really make much progress in the game if you don't have enough variety of weapons. But mm. it just becomes frustrating when you're trying to cycle through and find the right one. That's a bummer. So sort of a limitation of the time, but um, this whole sort of setup of it. Um, it really lends itself to something that you don't get in games so much anymore, but was a big thing in the eight-bit and sixteen-bit eras. These are levels that I imagine were meticulously mapped on graph paper by people, mm. and then had those uh, maps sent into like uh, video game magazines to be published as, as hints and tips for everybody with like locations of weapons
0: and best routes through. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think it. I think I can picture in my head that exact thing. Yeah, like
1: like, like younger. Um, listeners might not uh, appreciate because so this these are definitely pre internet days before like everything was completely explained on game facts. But um the way people uh, the way people shared knowledge about games is they they drew out these maps, especially for two D games, just top down maps, pointing out the dangers and things like that and sent them into video game magazines to get recorded uh, rewarded with a crisp five pound note huh. for their hours and hours and hours of work and taking up uh, you know, giving that game magazine very, very cheap content. But yeah, like um the, yeah, that 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 sort of there's it's a game that you can definitely see obsessively playing through and figuring out the best way to tackle it. Cuz there's another interesting thing about the way it's set up. There's like 50 levels. Um, but there's no battery saving it. What instead you get there's is fifty levels. Yeah, well, uh, maybe, yeah, no, it's fifty including all the um, all the bonus I, levels. Didn't appreciate
0: that. That's a lot of levels.
1: There's fifty levels, but there's no battery save. So what you'd instead get is um, a password system, mm-hmm. which sort of has like sort of uh, milestones, like every five levels or so, uh, and the password also sort of generates how many victims you have at that okay. point. But it doesn't remember your your weapons inventory. Oh right, okay. So. What you can do, like you, like you can start later in the game, but you don't have all the weapons that you picked up. So the easiest way to play it is to sit down in level one and play all the way through to level 50, um, you know, sort of avoiding dying as much as possible and picking up extra lives and extra victims and building see, up an arsenal where it becomes a bit of a walkthrough at the end. But you can trade that off with starting around about level 30 and having a tougher time of it as you face stronger enemies with weaker mm. weapons. How do you, do you think that, do you like that? As a modern gamer, probably not, hmm. because it, it, it's a bit of a trade-off. But um, just the way it is, well. As always, you say like it's just. Well, I was reading on the Wikipedia article. They did want to include battery save to begin with, but then um, it was too expensive, so they had to leave it out. But the, that that makes it like a, a sort of a tougher experience to play play these days because yeah, it doesn't like yeah. unfold in the way that you would expect. But what makes it interesting is I really feel that this is a game that would be. Absolutely diamondly suited for mobile platforms now because mm-hmm. each level is only like a couple of minutes long and like a great blast and like lots of fun to play through. So, if you had like sort of continuous saves and sort of rebalanced it a bit, so that you you were maybe more able to, to replenish your victims or like you know, like sort of balance the way that you, you earn weapons microtransactions, yeah, yeah, that, that, that would be the perfect way to handle yeah, yeah, it. Totally. Um, but yeah, if they, if they did something like that, then um. Then your progression just from level one to level fifty in one playthrough, uh, I I could just see that being a great thing just to get your phone out on the bus and play a couple of levels. Mm. Yeah, it sounds pretty cool. It's maybe curr-
0: maybe they'll do that. I mean,
1: well, maybe they will. I mean, the game came out on Virtual Console in two thousand and
0: nine. Aha. Um, uh-huh. So there's still interest.
1: Yeah, you would think so. I mean, like it, it's certainly. It's a game, whenever you mention it to anyone who remember it the first time around, there's lots of fond memories from it. Yeah,
0: I think a lot of people have played it as well. It certainly mm. seems to be a game that you can talk to the fuck about and they remember it. i yeah. tell
1: you something I didn't appreciate. Uh-huh. I didn't realise. It wasn't actually called Zombies Ain't My Neighbours in Europe. It was just called Zombies. Was it? Yeah. like I Because like, this was news to me, even like playing it at the time, because all the video games press referred to it as Zombies Ain't My Neighbours. No way. But like looking at the cartridge, I've got it actually just says zombies on it. And like things like the, uh, some of the enemies you've got um, sort of guys with like Jason masks on. Uh-huh. And in the version that I'm playing, they've got axes. Uh, but in America, they had chainsaws, but they changed that because it was too violent. Oh, see. Yeah, it's one of the, the these things
0: like, you know, like <laughs> it, certain European territories. So no, we, we lived in an age where eight my neighbours had to get taken off. Yeah, because that was too crazy. Was too... There you go. So what about um, Legacy and stuff? Did you know has that format ever been recreated in any other games
1: well yeah not not exactly i mean even like the sort of top down shooter thing is pretty rare i mean like when i was sort of thinking about how to describe it the only other games i could really think that used a really similar thing are
0: like even older games like smash tv yeah top top down shooters are a, a definite thing of the past it reminded me of stuff like you know the chaos engine and mm-hmm. stuff like that and then like the Sort of a lot of old NES games and stuff. As but well. it
1: does seem to have been sort of considered a bit of an evolutionary dead end for video games. But I believe there was a, a sequel that I didn't hear of
0: until I started uh, researching. But you played? Well, this is it. It, it was a loaded question. I just wanted <laughs> to talk about Ghoul Patrol and how terrible it is. Is it really bad? Uh, yeah, basically. Um, it has Zeke and Julie in it, and you know, it's basically just a direct sequel but it's just no good man it's just not you know how they can do that sometimes you can take a game's engine you can take its assets yeah and just you just can't create the spark magic the original had also uh, made it to the virtual console though I believe so
1: Ghoul Patrol did yeah yeah, Yeah. yeah,
0: so worth checking out if people haven't you know played it maybe aren't aware of its existence
1: but definitely play zombies first
0: Totally. Um, looking at this now as well, it was published by JVC, which is. Uh, <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> what I
1: don't know. in between making videos? <laughs> like VCRs? That's, I know. Hmm. Interesting. I'll tell you one thing, one last thing I just want to pick up on, which I think sort of uh, really illustrates how, how involved this is with like the sort of famous LucasArts sense of humour for the time. It's got the greatest credit sequence in the world, in that it's just another level of the game, but based in. Uh, like the, the development office where they actually made the game. Yeah, so I'll you wander like around that. like the office and there's mm-hmm. caricatures of all the staff standing around. You walk up to them, and they tell you their name and their job cool. title. Cool. You played it on the SNES then? Yeah, yeah, that's the one I've got it on. Have you played the Mega Drive versions? I haven't much
0: actually. No. I, don't know.
1: Uh, I believe they are pretty much the same. Um, just, you know. Same limitations you got with all those games. Maybe the Mega Drive one isn't quite as colourful, but it's
0: essentially the same. It's probably good to mention that it had a two-player mode as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you, yeah. If you plug in a second control, you could have Zeke and Julie wandering mm. on the screen, which I've never done because you've given got no mates because I got no mates. But yeah, that, that's interesting. But that again, that's kind of back to that. Like Smash TV had that sort of mm. uh, same sort of thing. What was the other one? Robotron 84 what was the other one like going way well, back. You've lost me there. Like. Uh, these are like the ancestors to the top-down shooter. Mm, but yeah, it's, um, it's wonderful. Top-down shooter, tense gameplay, like, you know, survival, horror elements, elements, mm. um, exploring, mapping, enjoyable greatness. Just get yourself a copy either on the SNES or on Virtual Console and just slap it all over yourself and wallow in joy
0: good a hearty recommendation there hearty. from from one
1: more goes nickel hay unless you're the type of person who thinks that Mario should have a voice and a gun in which case you'll probably go oh I have to cycle through it oh, oh, why do
0: they have a water pistol why don't they have an AK oh
1: this is just stupid and why is his 3D glasses different colours and just
0: said it just sort of like grey? I don't get it speaking of colourful um, I'm going to be talking about the most colourful game ever the, the most saturated <laughs> Which we've difficult seen to look at colourful game yeah totally so we'll take a wee break and I will be back to talk about Mystical Ninja starring Goemon
1: So you're on record as saying that this game, this game, is your favourite game?
0: Yes, it is. Mystical Ninja starring Goemon is my favourite game. A game that I rented, because it was quite hard to get a hold of at the time. Um, a game that I rented from Blockbuster and then subsequently k- kept renting it until I beat it. G- game Do you that... think you spent more money renting than you would have buying? Quite possibly, I think. So four rentals it took me to beat it. And this is the thing, Like because it took um the n64 memory pack right i had to go out and <laughs> buy a memory pack oh i know the lack of uh, battery save strikes again yes exactly so i mean so yeah so maybe i did end up spending more money than i would have i outright bought it some years later but yeah at, at the time that i mean a game that having you know had my, my Super well card in my Barra's worthy SNES While I was a child,ren <laughs> I, I did play uh, the mainline uh, Ganbare Goemon games on the SNES, so I was already a massive Goemon fan. So when, like, I saw that you know, uh, Goemon sixty four in Official Nintendo Magazine, and you know, in nineteen ninety six, it's like just ran around your room for six minutes. Aye, aye. It was a game that was I was very much anticipating. But I just love, like, for anyone unfamiliar with the Goemon series, it's just such a, a great has a great dose of Japanese culture and Japanese humour in it mm. and for someone that's a total Japanophile it's like an absolute dream um, because it's just full of like traditional Japanese cultural tropes and I absolutely love it Like, um, So what is the game? Um, it came out in 97 in Japan we got it in 1998 and the best way I can think to describe it is it's somewhere between Mario 64 and Ocarina of Time um came out a full year before Ocarina of Time and does a lot of things that Ocarina of Time does. Um, get it right up, your link! I know, but it's a bit of a classic, man. People that have played this will probably throw it as one of their best N64 games because, like, it, it's a cracker. So, you know, it, it plays like a 3D platformer. It plays like a Mario. Mm-hmm. You know, you can jump, you can... You can actually press jump. Yes, you ah, can jump. Get it right up, yeah. your link! Fuck, fuck you, Zelda. Um, <laughs> why can't Zelda jump? <laughs> um so basically you control you know you control one of four characters, which i 'll get to, and you 're going round Japan basically, mm-hmm. Japan is sort of your hub overworld, and you go to different towns, different dungeons different prefectures yeah, different prefectures, man, different islands doesn 't have all the islands. I remember you get Kyushu because it flies away into space <laughs> which I'll, which i 'll get to so you have this sort of great hub world of Japan, and there are, that 's your high real field. Uh, like yeah. you know, if if you think about it like that, and yeah, you move between different prefectures, which have different towns, different dungeons. So, so yeah, for anyone unfamiliar, um, you have this cast of, in, in Goemon games. You have this cast of four main characters mm-hmm. who are uh, Goiman, Ebisamaru, Ye, and Sasuke. And uh, th- most of them have basis in the real world. Okay. Like uh, Goiman's based on Ishikawa Goemon, who was a bit like, the best way I can think of describing him is a bit like Japan's kind of, feudal Japan's Robin Hood. He was like a thief, but kind of got a bit in he's a bit of an anti-hero, a bit of notoriety. Uh Um, There was like a live action film made about his his sort of... Did he actually like
1: give any of this back though? Or was he more like a gentleman face? Was he like a Raffles or something like that?
0: I'm not going to ruin that. Go and and watch the big budget Japanese film they made about his life. Or play Mystical Ninja starring Goemon, where he is in fact the hero. So you got him. Basically, the four main characters are ninjas slash thieves. Mm-hmm. Um, Ebisamaru has always been uh, Goyman's cohort from the very first kind of Goyman games on the NES and the MSX, um, and he's based on Nezumi So it's more kind of real life basis based on another sort of ninja slash thief. Right. Um, so you know, it's like and like these are like properly famous people in Japan.
1: Like if we were like Japanese, we'd be like instantly recognised. So this would be like playing a game of like. Um, Robin Hood versus King Charles II.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would imagine that's that sort. I can't speak for the Japanese people, but I'd imagine so. I think you can. I think you can, and you will. I, I will do that. <laughs> so you got Goemon, who's this hot-blooded man who kind of has like ridiculously spiky hair and wields a pipe as his weapon, and Ebisomaru who's like, um, like a plumbing pipe or a smoking pipe like a, a, a big Japanese smoking pipe nice so um, and then he's like notoriously hot blooded like he was known as the, the hot blooded man in all the early Goemon games just because he's so like fired up all the time all right. and then his mate Ebisamaru like I said is kind of like a perverted chubby ninja that eats too much food and perves on women all the time and then we have Ye who's kind of like a she's a kunoichi like a kind of she's a secret agent as well um, she builds a katana She's pretty cool. She's kind of my favorite, to be honest. And then Sassy you,
1: you put a female ninja in any game, and like, well, guys like you and me are just like. She's yep. quality She's
0: she's totally she's totally the, the the straight man in that team as well. Like all the rest of them are like completely bumbling fools. She's very much the the straight guy. Feminism, totally, man. And then uh, Sasuke as well, who's like a wee robotic ninja who is pretty awesome. So robotism, exactly. Um, he wields a wee pair of kunai and. Um, Ebus- I forgot to mention Ebisomaru has a big hammer, which is kind of cool. So classic. uh Japanese
1: characters were hammers.
0: Ah, Come on. Well, good. So throughout the game, you you start off with Goemon and Ebisomaru and you unlock these other two ninjas, and you know they each have different weapon sets. Um, that help you do different things, different dungeons, and they all have special powers as well, which I'll so, get to. Sorry,
1: do you cycle through like c- the characters at will? Yeah,
0: the down C button cycles through characters. Right. So, uh, so wh- do
1: they like level up? Is it sort of RPG like that? Or? No, the
0: way, funnily enough, the way the health system works is exactly the same as Zelda. You have a maximum amount of hearts that you increase by collecting fortune dolls as opposed to pieces of heart. Uh-huh. You collect four silver fortune dolls and then you get a full do you have to
1: decide to divide them between your characters? No, it's they all, all, get all, the same? all one
0: health system, all one right. life system. Um, you, you have lives, and you get game over if you run out of lives. But like, you'll never get a game over because you know you can end up with twenty hearts if you yeah. collect all the fortune dolls. So very like Zelda in that sense that there are RPG elements to it. Um, the towns, for example, you know you can go to shops and you can buy armor which will absorb a certain amount of hits. You can buy food which will restore your HP, and you can buy items which will restore your HP on death. Cool. So there's a, there's a cool sort of bit of an RPG element to
1: it. Yeah, to... so it's that sort of thing, like in-depth enough to be engaging, not yeah. so in-depth that you're having to like sit through with your 80-page guide yeah, 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 it's
0: the same system that's been in all the Goemon games. It's some falls somewhere between a platformer and an RPG. Um, so basically, to, to cover the storyline a wee bit, um, Goemon and Ebisomaru are in a Edo one day, We'll call it to- Tokyo for the, like old school Tokyo yeah. for the purposes of people that haven't, you know, played any games set during feudal Japan. Yeah. But, um, and there's like this UFO shows up, shaped like a big big peach, a big Japanese peach. Yeah. And it uh, fires this this beam at Edo Castle and turns it into a big kind of party looking abomination. And so we find out over the course of the storyline that basically these aliens are uh, a guy called Spring Breeze Dancing. <laughs> and his uh his, his sort of female companion Lily, uh, who are the they call themselves the Peach Mountain Shogunati, and basically like the the sort of the Peach Mountain Shoguns want to turn all of Japan into a stage. Nice. It's like r- ridiculously camp but amazing. Do we actually want to stop
1: these bad guys? Or do we not want to help them?
0: I know. <laughs> I don't want it because this instant stage beam basically they just go around turning things into awesome dungeons for you to kind of fight your way through. So they have these underlings as well who all have they're called like Baron and Poron and that, and they all have kind of similar names and kind of strange visual key kind of haircuts, and it's all very 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 obscure. And this is the best thing for me about this game is like the the humour. There are certain things like that are just kind of really weirdly unique. Like as a laugh track, <laughs> I don't know if a lot of it's been lost in translation, but the laugh track just seems to come up at the most inappropriate times. Yeah. And a lot of the jokes I thought were just lost on me because I was young, but I definitely think there's a lot been lost in translation.
1: This sounds like the sort of thing that you would either engage with and want to find out what the cultural things you're missing are, or you're just like, nope, don't care about any of this. I'll, 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 I, fr- I loved
0: it, man. There are yeah. just things that are great. Like, dancing, for example, is just this completely larger than life antagonist. He's like so hyper camp. Um, mm-hmm. Like, and he, he, for, he, for example, he has this thing where he will just pick a name for anyone. Right. Like, and he calls Ebisomaru Antonio, and he calls Goyman Fernandez.
1: So this is the sort of thing that sense like the writing is really like underpinning and propelling the game rather than taking it over.
0: Yeah? Exactly. Yeah. 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 So you, uh, so it'll just be just like ridiculous, ludicrous stuff. So basically, yeah, you set out on this adventure to go and stop the Peach Mountain Shoguns from turning Japan into a stage. So what's the, the actual game like? I mean,
1: like it's a platformer. So I mean, it's a really basic question, but it's jumping fun.
0: Yeah, the, the platform elements are great. The dungeons again have a great bit of Zelda to them in the sense that you know you. Get keys to open doors, uh-huh. and there's a map, and you fight a boss at the end. And it is a great mixture of sort of very, very light puzzle solving and a lot of sort of quite, quite hard at times platforming. To be honest, how big is it? Pretty big. There are well, it's not huge, but maybe about ten, fifteen hours, which for a Goyman game maybe makes it the longest one. Um, if you want to get all the fortune dolls, you can get quite a lot of time out of it. But sure. um, there's not a huge amount of backtracking. There's a wee bit, but it's just, I will go on record and say that I think it has better dungeon design than Ocarina of Time, just because the dungeons are a great mix of like ideas that only happen once that are just like wee wee things that just make you go like yes, like in That's one of the,
1: something I really love in games like like idea overuse. That's the thing that killed Okami for me. Mm,
0: mm. Um, for one of the dungeons you go into is like they're all kind of thematic. The first dungeon is like Edo Castle. Mm -hmm. It's like a kind of Japanese castle, you know, with sliding doors and tatami mats and stuff and that's so into that. And then the second castle, the Ghost Toys Castle, is like a hot springs that's been turned into, like, been overrun by all these kind of robotic toys, Mm -hmm. because like, sort of the Peach Mountain Shogun's army of underlings are all like, kind of robotic toys, and they're really kind of weird, but there's this great bit in that dungeon where you go into a room and there's a giant pool table and there's, like, all these balls on it and you have to knock all these giant balls into the pockets in order. It sounds amazing. It's just stuff like that is, like, so cool, man.
1: So, I mean, like, you so you said that you think the dungeon design's better than Zelda.
0: Aye. There, like, that's a two-pronged reason. But.
1: Yeah, no, but, like, what I'm getting at is, like you, like, you obviously think it's... Well, you like the game more than you like either Mario 64 or Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Do you think it's like a better platformer than Mario and a better RPG than Zelda, or is it the fact that it's like good enough at both of them and combines them well enough? Yeah, that makes it, it's it a better the game?
0: combination of elements that really makes it shine. Um, certainly, the RPG elements elevate it above the kind of standard Mario 64, right. and then the fact that you can jump elevates it above operating <laughs> time. But it's just great, man. It's the the Japanese culture that I love so much. Like, everything I learned about Japanese culture, I learned from playing. Gaming games, basically.
1: Yes, yeah, so we had a brief look at it earlier. With like, what your pickups are just like sushis, like like little uh, yeah, like like California rolls like and, and, and dumplings
0: there, yeah. and stuff like that, and all that, all that fun stuff. Um, the the absolute like again, for anyone that's played one, it's not going to come as a surprise. But the the absolute best thing about like what really elevates elevates this game are the impact battles and Impact is like your giant mech friend that shows up and helps you in.
1: We couldn't have had such an intensely Japanese game without a mech turning up at some point.
0: And I know, man. And the way these battles are initiated is you blow into a giant conch shell and Impact shows up and tractor beams you into his mouth and you're treated to this, like, song. You're treated to the the Impact song. (laughs) Three times in the game you get it and three times you have to watch the song in the accompanying video (laughs) where, you know, you're shown like, you know, impact and all his metal frame as he sings to you in the voice of uh, Kageyama Hironobu, I think. So
1: so this is like, you know, like any sort of Sentai series or anything like that? Like the five minutes that happen in every episode while they combine the Megazord or something like that?
0: you get this great sort of kind of like 70s Sentai bit of music to accompany it. And the the, the way the impact battles are structured in two halves, the first half is kind of like you're going down a kind of long kind of corridor of landscape and you control impact and you're moving back and forth and swinging your pipe and he's got a giant pipe yeah. and he shoots coins out of his nose and but the weird thing is like you have to destroy buildings <laughs> to the more buildings you destroy the more health you have for the upcoming <laughs> battle and I really don't understand it, but you're like trampling towns and like destroying houses and For stuff. the greater good, Barry. For yeah, the greater exactly. good. Exactly. So you get to the you get so I mean, it, like
1: you know, if you didn't trample those towns, the bad guy would just make them dance. Exactly. And if we'd learned anything from Space Channel five, that is a fate worse than death.
0: Exactly. oh, Space Michael. Um so I so you're treated to this kind of great bit of like, oh, I'll destroy all these houses, and then if that is as if that's not enough, you're then thrown into this first person mech battle, uh-huh. where you're fighting like a giant enemy robot, and you have like a sort of a great great kind of command list. You have you have like a move list. For example, like you can use your giant kind of chain pipe to reel in the enemy and do like a super punch combo, and then when you've built up enough energy, you can shoot a laser beam out of your mouth and stuff. And
1: okay, I'm on board. This sounds. Frankly amazing. It's
0: amazing. Three Only three times you get this in the game as well. Like, they could have thrown it in after every dungeon, but they, they don't, like, they, they really... Again, that's that idea, rationing your ideas, like having confidence that you've got enough
1: ideas to make the game. Exactly. And that, that suits my ADD addled brain right down to the ground. But that's what it was like playing it in 1998. What was it like playing it in 2013?
0: Well, there there are things about... Uh, this game that really will stand the test of time and there are things that don't. Things that do are, you know, the core gameplay is still pretty great um, and the themes are great and, like, my favourite thing about this, like, if I had to pick one thing that I loved the most, not necessarily what I think makes it the best, but I loved the most is the music. Mm -hmm. Oh, the music, the music. The music has, like, been such a massive influence on me Musically, and in terms of in terms of what I write musically, in terms of what I listen to, in terms of the games I play, this music—oh my Um, god—it's this. He's weeping, listeners. I know it's this great fusion of like traditional Japanese music and like sort of really kind of cheesy Konami kind of video game pop music, Uh and it's just great. And oh, the the way the dungeons are built is like each dungeon the music builds in stages. Once you complete. A certain part of like you'll start a dungeon. It'll be quite minimal, Mm. and once you get to a certain part in the dungeon, like the music will build and like the loop will change. And then once you get to the last part of the dungeon, it will. By the time you're at the end of the dungeon, it's like listen to this fucking music. (laughs) It's so good. And this is the thing that a lot of people say that have played this game is like the music is great. It makes it such a joy to be in the dungeons. This is the thing that about Ocarina of Time's dungeons is I don't really think the dungeons are a pleasant experience. Like they're great and it's good fun, but you're not happy while you're in there. I think I don't think the game's going to be a pleasant experience. no you're it's right. A pretty bleak game. You're right. You're right. But I mean, I love the fact that you're like, okay, I'll go to a dungeon and goemon, and you get there, and you're like, listen, to that fucking
1: music is yeah. so
0: good. But aye, that the music really withstands the test of time brilliantly. But the N64, as we know, visually isn't the best console, certainly in terms of graphics. That, and this is a game that's unfortunately very hard to emulate like mm-hmm. nothing seems to do a great job of emulating it so your only real option is to play on N64 which I did and now I'm going to take a wee minute to talk about the failings perhaps of the N64 Brace um, yourself listeners Yeah, th- this, this issue for me came in stages the first issue was with the fact that N64 controllers I don't know what the fuck people are doing to these controllers, but it seems like there are no controllers in the world now that have functioning analog sticks.
1: Well, possibly no controllers that are being used by like typical gamers. Because my ones are fine, but you know, uh, they yeah. treat everything. Well, with...
0: mine are fine too, which I found out, but like it's such a gamble. Even the, the controllers that I bought on eBay that were like, oh, it's got a good stick, it comes and it doesn't have a good stick. So, you know, I, I took these three controllers I had, I took them all to pieces. Yeah. And you realise when you when you take the analogue sticks and enclosed unit and when you get it out and you see how much like the way it works is there's like a bowl at the bottom. Uh-huh. So like you imagine a bowl shape and the stick sits in that yeah. and there's a nub on the bottom of the stick. And basically, that just wears away over time, so there's less and less resistance. To and the that point nubs where the
1: thing that's making the contact that lets the well, yeah. There's, there's know. there
0: are two kind of swinging bits of plastic mm-hmm. that operate on a x and a y axis, which make contact with the actual digital computer parts. Yeah. And the issue I had with the controllers is like, no matter what configuration of stick parts I put together, I couldn't get a stick that would. Reach the maximum on either axis, yeah. so it's like final. I'll, I'll play Goemon but I can only walk quickly. I can't run anywhere, and there's just a huge issue with those sticks. They they've not they they weren't built to last, and that's what I mean. When can you ever say that about Nintendo?
1: Yeah, the fact that like, you can still like pick up like a 1989 Game Boy and it works perfectly.
0: Exactly, but N64 controllers. I
1: mean, it is something you know, like if
0: you ever We see, have like, Mario Party to blame, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I fucking spin the stick. S- yeah, slap ah. it from side
1: to side. Yeah, yeah. anytime you see a Nintendo 64 controller in like a charity shop, like the, the stick's always sort of like lolling to the side. Oh, oh, I, going, I, ah, no. I've got no spring left. No. Which is a shame because when they work, it's still, like I was saying, like the sort of top three best analog sticks ever. When it's working, it's responsive, it's
0: so, springy. so precise. and Great stick, yeah. So this led me to, like I said, you know, the return of my N64, which I got back and busted open my controllers and was like, oh, look, my controllers are fine. Not that I'm being a dick and being like, you got down to your controllers, you big ham-handed beasts, but (laughs) mine seemed to be all right. You're not saying it, you're just really strongly implying it. I've got wee delicate fairy liquid hands, though. Is (laughs) is anyone that's ever touched my... Because a lot of people have touched my hands. Is anyone that's ever touched my hand will know, like, hands that do dishes and that, they are so, so soft.
1: I'm touching Barry's hand right now, and I I, I can tell you, it's it's an experience. It's like like a pillow made of kittens.
0: Pretty soft, eh? Imagine that, just gently caressing your face. Every day. Or any other curved part of your body. Yeah, my uh, nape. Oh. Oh. Um so yeah, so that was my first issue was like N sixty four controllers, you know if if you're new to the market of N sixty fours and you're like, I think I'll pick up a retro N sixty four, can I pick up a second hand one? Really be careful when you're buying a mistake. Yeah, because I cannot stress how much a bad controller will ruin your gameplay experience. There are ways to fix it, but to be honest I didn't find them that good. And in the end I just pumped for a third party stick, which do the job, but they're a bit they're a bit stiff. I would spent a lot of time looking for what the best third party sticks were, and even the one I've got, it's not a patch on the original, a functioning original.
1: That's third party controllers for you then. Oh, I know, all I know, the way. I know. But actual, so, the actual game.
0: Yeah. Um I never used to be a visual snob, but Even before I was a bit of a visual snob, I recall the N64 looking terrible on modern TVs. Mm -hmm. Especially, I mean, I've only ever connected my N64 through AV composite, which I just always assumed was fine, but there's something about the way N64 looks on modern TVs that's just not right. And mine, in particular, playing this game, it's just so smudged, and there's like so much flicker and the brightness and the contrast or like you can't do anything about them It's just so overly bright like even if you take the saturation right down it still has this horrible kind of like flashing bloom almost
1: oh I'll, I'll say I don't think that's a problem with modern TVs I think that's a problem with how the N64 always looked we've discussed this in this problem uh, in this program before how that generation that first real generation of 3D graphics mm. has dated much worse than, like, the 2D generation that preceded it. Mm. Just because they they were learning so much, and, like, you know, it was... They really were on, like, sort of a forefront of something completely different. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the biggest generational shift we've ever had in video games from 2D to 3D. And the N64 suffers more than the PlayStation 1 or the Saturn from the limitations of the time just been really glaring now that we've, we've managed to come over them. I would say most N64 games are saturated and smudgy, and like fogging is such a bad issue in almost aye. all N64 games.
0: Aye. Um, aye. The, a massive issue with the N64 as well is it inexplicably doesn't output RGB, which everything else of that gender, I mean the SNES outputs RGB, mm-hmm. but the N64 doesn't. And you can hardware mod it so it does, and apparently that makes it look vastly, vastly superior. But just for some reason, Nintendo removed the ability for it to ability for it to output RGB. It
1: was probably that thing that put them like sort of ten cents per unit into, you know not making a profit, and that was just it for Nintendo yeah, it's
0: quite quite possibly so I mean, I picked up an s video cable for it, but people would have me believe that n nine sixty four looks better on a CRT TV that it just this is why I I'm I'm mainly going on what other people... I mean, we know it looks terrible on modern TVs, and people will have you believe that it looks great on CRTs. So maybe that is the case, but I, I don't know. I've no experience. I
1: said, well, we were in my flat, me and me and Danny were playing uh, Mario Kart 64 on a CRT TV, but it's a terrible TV anyway, even oh, for a CRT. Okay. But, you know, it still had the same issues of being, you know... Sort of blocky and smudgy well, and saturated. Well, yeah, I, I
0: bought an S-Video cable for it and it looks exactly the fucking same. Made no difference. Makes a bit a bit sharper, but it doesn't get rid of that horrible yeah. saturated flicker, which actually made me feel quite ill when I was playing this game. But the point is, it's still a great game. It know. is. Oh. Oh, it's like, if you can put up with it emulating terribly on other things... Then I'd play it on other things, but it's just such a such a tragedy that nothing can really emulate it that well.
1: Yeah.
0: And your best bet is to get an N64 and play it on an N64 because it's such a classic, such an underappreciated classic. And I bet anyone that's played it will tell you the exact stuff that I'm saying is that you need to play it. And because it's so underappreciated, I take that
1: means it's not likely to get any virtual console or any sort of... Um, unbelievable. Or anything like that.
0: Unbelievable that it's never appeared on the VC. I don't... I have no idea why. Um, Earlier Goemon games have appeared on virtual console, but just this one never made an appearance. Um, It did get a sequel, though, Mm -hmm. on N64, uh, Goemon's Great Adventure, which is back to the sort of 2D platforming roots of the original series. That's a bit weird. Um, Yeah, they just decided to make you know, take a lot of the 3D assets and make a 2D game out of it. Which
1: so was the, the 3D game with this one? Was it successful at all? Yeah, it was. Yeah. It
0: was really successful. Successful enough for it to get a sequel, I guess. Um, well, but, you it know, was did... re- released in all territories, um, and you know, it certainly it, a sequel was released in all territories.
1: But that's the question, you know, like when when the sequel takes such a retrograde step, you wonder whether or not. Sales on the on the different one were were disappointing. That there they really al- had to.
0: There were a lot of Goyman games coming out at the time. There were a lot came out for PlayStation, made by different development teams, because um, you know you obviously had different strands of Konami at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, and the PlayStation games, there are I think there are four PS1 games. The th- the 3D one is fucking terrible, really bad, and one of the 2D ones is all right. And there's like one really good PlayStation one, but this this was the best. The N64 ones were the best Goyman games of the generation. And certainly the best Goyman games have always been on Nintendo systems. Like the SNES one's amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, the N64 one's amazing. Um, there was a kind of weird one on the Game Boy Advance that we won't talk about. There were a few on regular Game Boy, pretty good. And then the most recent one on the DS, which never saw a Western release, which is unfortunate. Cause that was a, I bought it anyway, though. Like I bought it when I went to Japan, I just can't play it, so.
1: The burning question though is the burning question is is it still your favourite game? (sighs) Get a good snort and then answer that one.
0: I think just through the kind of rough time I had the amount of effort I had to go through to play it Uh and then it maybe not really paying off as much as I felt it should have I don't necessarily know if it still is my favourite game ever. I know, I think it's still in the top 3, 4, top 4, top 4, <laughs> certainly, and it still think everyone should play it, I just wish the N64 was a bit more of a joyful experience, and I wish I cared less about superficial stuff, and normally I do, but like, it legitimately made me feel a bit sick, and it's like, can I deal with this? That is rough, but at least you're at least you're owning
1: it, and with therapy maybe we can get past this. Exactly. So, I had so a bit what of, is your favourite game now?
0: <laughs> Xenoblade Chronicles, the best RPG ever made. Well, in that case, in five years' time, we can we can review that one. Totally, I can go back and be like, nah, shite, mate, shite. <laughs> shite. So yeah, an absolutely spectacular game. If you have an N64, just pick up a copy of it, because you're not going to pay much over £20, I'd imagine. And it's worth £20? Oh, it's worth three, four times that. The amount of times I went back and replayed it as well. It just, it, It's a unique blend of... like humor and culture and like just some beautiful kind of environments and of of that for that generation, like really kind of beautiful environments and like quirky kinda of enemy design and some of the best music you'll ever find in a video game.
1: Well that sounds great and I'm just delighted that we've had an episode where we're two for two for games that you should definitely, definitely go out and play now. And do you know what that is? That's the Konami difference
0: that is the Konami difference. Let's minutes we'll have a minute silence for Konami, and then we'll be back to talk about you guys, yeah.
1: Because, as I was mentioning in the zombies review like the enemy designs in that game are so great and so distinctive mm. I just wanted to wax a little bit nostalgic about those the great cannon fodder of uh, of games gone by those, mm. those guys who would come at you wave after wave and you would just slaughter them mindlessly and laugh and laugh and, laugh and prance and play Goombas mate Goombas Goombas are the sort of thing that we're looking at here All right. So, um, we got a response. First off, uh, Cammy Toman uh, came up with... Well, the first thing he said was, in a roundabout way, Lemmings, which was like right out of the bat. It's a version of the actual question. Because you might not yeah. be looking after the Lemmings. Right. But it is so satisfying when you screwed up a level just to go, right, let's kill these let's guys in the most inventive way possible. Oh, no. Oh, no. Or, you oh. know, just sort of like directing them off a cliff. Oh, yeah, just, no, you're right. uh, Lemmings. Uh, and then he says... Um, in a more direct way, the portal turrets are a favourite, which is a cracking shout. Yeah, portal turrets are good. Just like um, again, well, you know, like cute things they say when they die. Exactly. You know, um, they they're they're such a great combination of like lethal when you don't notice them or when you sort of mess up your route through the game, and they'll they'll slaughter you instantly. But then, like, they're so flimsy that killing them is just sort of like so sort of swat them aside and feel satisfying like, feel like such a bully
0: as well yeah. sometimes like uh, I hate killing them Like I feel so remorseful about killing them
1: and then you get those total broken ones in Portal 2 that oh, uh, Wheatley's totally. put together absolutely brilliant
0: so yeah good shout Cammy Toman next one is uh, from Manly J Panda after he gave us some dark although when we thought up this question I was like we have to word it in a way that's not going to be like getting folk just dark souls it's like people just like before the last syllables even died in your throat yeah. dark souls Durstos has helped me, it's difficult. But he mentioned the shitey ninjas of different colours in Ninja Gaiden 2004. He says he's killed hunters of the fuckers. Ninja Gaiden has some of the most frustrating minions ever, like the from the NES games, the fucking birds from Ninja Gaiden. Like, oh my sweet god.
1: See, that's a different that's a different way you can take the question. So when I originally asked this I was thinking about like the sort of beautifully designed ones that sort of stay with you, but there is totally a subcategory of those ones that are just horrific and just. Medusa heads. Want to kill them. Just get them. Medusa oh. heads.
0: Just away from me. Um, uh, Magic coopers. They know, like, Konami totally know about Medusa heads as well they know the fact that in the Castlevania stage in Sexy Parodius it was like well, who's going to be the boss of the Castlevania stage Dracula no giant Medusa head <laughs> it's like they know that the Medusa heads are the real antagonist and as soon games. as that
1: creeps in at the side of the screen you're just like you're shit like, it oh, shit sick. all the time
0: aye totally um, you got another one there uh, I do I've got Pez D Spencer uh,
1: telling us the basic Heartless and Kingdom Hearts so many of them Heartless are
0: really cool like I love the Heartless enemy design I've never played Kingdom Hearts, so I don't know anything about it. You need it. to do it, man. I keep telling you this. You need to feel the emotional attachment to Goofy. I'm just not furry enough You're not to a re- play Kingdom Hearts. No, it, the, my love for Goofy transcends furry. See
1: the rage in his eyes when I suggested he was furry. <laughs> no,
0: <laughs> I, I'll admit, like playing, King, like, being in love with Kingdom Hearts is the first step on the indefensible <laughs> furry ladder. So I know in my own heart that I'm not a furry, though, so you just shut it. Okay, sure. Um one here from uh, Alex Wright that says quite like the chattering square-headed Max Payne randoms would bullet time through a doorway at, at them all day. Which yeah, yeah, Max Payne a lot of fun and you know killing the kind of hordes of idiots was pretty good fun.
1: Yeah, good good uh, combat mechanic in Max Payne, isn't it? Mm. So I was like ch- dancing through them and I was like
0: shooting gas canisters at them. That was always good fun. Um, you got another one?
1: Yeah, um, I've got uh, Mecha Mechagamezilla saying you can't mention Great Enemy Minions without a nod to Streets of Rage or God Hand. Which uh, I Streets of Rage I can chime in. I'm not playing God Hand, but Streets of Rage like. You can not um, play God Hand? Nah. Please rectify immediately. <laughs> Streets of Rage like like the one of the first things I thought of when I thought of this question is those guys who, who like fight with their backs to you and they've got like this sort of weird leather jacket on that makes it look like they're wearing a turtle shell mm. which when I was like 12 I was convinced why are they wearing why turtle they turtles? shells why am I fighting the turtles I don't want to hit Donatello in the face aye aye big up Streets of Rage minions like yeah um, those um the Dominatrix ones with the horrible scream when you kill them like,
0: oh, <laughs> aye totally to- Oh, totally that's nostalgia <laughs> Um one to from Tony Chandler says the regular soldiers from Dynasty Warriors—they're so numerous and easy to kill. Me and my mate call them plebs. For anyone, not even Dynasty Warriors. For anyone that's played any missile game, you've probably killed literally a million yeah. of the most generic like missile enemies. Like, um, but isn't that a statement about war? War never changes. Um, it's a lot of fun though. I like, especially stuff like Ken's Rage and the One Piece missile games. Yeah, it's pretty fulfilling, just swatting generic enemies away. So, uh, not a bad answer. (laughs) Both will be fine. 6 out of 10. Ross Taylor comes
1: in with poison from Final Fight. It helped that she, brackets, he was fit. Interesting reaction, Ross Taylor. But it was satisfying taking her out
0: after a flying kick. Aye, taking her out for a nice meal after (laughs) a flying kick. Poison is pretty sexy as far as enemies go, so... You see, even when she was like, you know,
1: officially a woman before she got uh, right. Well, this is the story behind Poison. Just uh, final fight is a scrolling beat 'em up in the same way that Streets of Rage is. And on one level, you're in a subway and you fight these sort of um, really sort of blow dried '80s lassies. Metal, sort of the sort of chicks would be hanging around with the street punks mm-hmm. in a in like a sort of uh, sub under siege sort of movie mm. uh, with like sort of denim short shorts and, and hats on. Like only sexy in a really particular 80s horrible way. Anyway. 80s sexy is the most sexy though. But when the game was released in uh, like outside of Japan like the company got a bit antsy about um, Mayor Mike Hager punching a woman in the face so they said <laughs> that the poison was a transvestite it's a dude in women's clothing and, and suddenly through completely and intentionally creating a hero for transgender people everywhere and uh, some pretty Pr- intense cosplay
0: opportunities. Pretty good hero. I, I, I've seen a man cosplaying Poison in the Flesh. Felt very strange about it, but kind of oddly good as well. <laughs> that's not what video games can do for you, I don't know what is. Aye, too right, like, too right. Uh, I got one here from Video Game James 64. It says, Zubat was gutted when he got shown the door in the black and white version. Great answer, because aye, nothing says early Pokemon like a cave full of Zubat. No, nothing says I
1: am grinding, I am going to get my Charmander to level 20 before I hit the next town, mm. then wave after wave of Zubat. Of Zubat, aye. aye. I do miss Zubat. What was he even replaced with? I, uh, I struggle to think. Well, it's like you're sort of... In the cave cannon fodder? Nah, no, I can't think. can't think. Not Zubat though. Not Zubat. Nobat. Mm. Okay, and the last one from me is from uh Nico Addy, who says uh well first off he says the SS guards in Wolfenstein that shouted Gestapo <laughs> Uh which look for Nazis. Nazis are you know, they're they're good to kill in any situation. Mm. And uh aye they those Nazis like running towards you with their, their handguns. That's the the one thing I remember. Mm. Um, but he also says anyone who played me at Virtua Tennis two ever, and I can attest to the fact that Nicolaidis a...
0: is a force. That's a slightly arrogant answer, like,
1: but one based entirely on experience and like absolutely he he can back that chat up. Um, oh, hey. If anyone wants to get their ass handed to them playing Virtua Tennis, go and uh, knock on at Nicolaidis' door and. Uh, He'll tell you what time it is.
0: Who was his character of choice? I'm pretty sure. <laughs>
1: I'm
0: pretty sure he was a Kafelnikov guy. Ah, I see, I see. Last one here for me is kind of a mashup of a uh, Pablo Clark and, of course, the Sonic Mole, as always. Um, with a with a good answer. Um, this is the one that I was going to choose actually for for my favourite. Um... Pablo says the slimes in Dragon Quest and Sai says uh, liquid metal slime in Dragon Quest and I was going to pick just regular metal slimes. So, Uh I just, aye, the slimes are great. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, (coughs) nickel, don't really like Toriyama character design. But I think it's just too big. They're just too big. People are completely joyless and need to go and punch (laughs) themselves in their own face. But um I just think they're great. Like in Japan especially, man, slime is iconic. Like oh, so iconic. Got his own fucking game. Slime's no, fine. Slime's Aight. fine, he
1: doesn't have a head. Mate, mate, just
0: just just shush <laughs> the new. Fucking big boys are talking here eh. <laughs> And Slime is brilliant, like, such a cool enemy character. And the one thing that, you know, at the start of every Dragon Quest game that you're happy to see, it's like, yay, Slime is here. And the reason I love Metal Slimes is because, you know, you get eat. They're, they run away instantly and you get rakes of experience for beating them if you manage to beat them and sort of things. Yeah. So they're like a good grinding tool, basically. And like I've, I'm sure I've said before, my favorite Dragon Quest game is actually Rocket Slime too. So there you go. A game where you control slime himself. It's a party, a dream come true. Aye, so yeah, so slime is a good one. What? What's your favourite minion?
1: I I was like my like I said my first reaction was the turtle guys from Streets of Rage. It right. just
0: stayed with me so long because so inexplicable. Good. So yeah, I mean, thanks everyone for getting in touch and telling us about your favourite minions. Yeah. No one said serve bots, which I was kind of disappointed about.
1: Yeah, that's right. I think maybe that game's not popular enough for people to be going you know, to surfboards. I think most people like myself like encounter them as like, uh, helpers for trombone like in the Marvel vs. Capcom games. Yeah,
0: I mean, Mega Man Legends 3 did get cancelled, so that probably speaks a lot about its popularity. <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> but
1: speaking of our uh, interactions with you guys, you may have caught this on Twitter earlier in the week, but for next month's One More Goal, we're asking you to tell us what games to play. Tell us about the games that you used to love, still love, and hope that we love too. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll pick a couple of them. So we've had some great suggestions so far, but we just want a few more just to get
0: a, a better right, pool. keep them coming um, as well. If, if we pick your game, we'll probably get in touch and get a bit of your input too. So it'll be like you're kind of on the show in spirit.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So um, either tweet at Nicol Hay or... At No Stopping Epoch or send us an email at one more podcast at gmail.com uh, get in touch with the ask box on the Tumblr, one more dot podcast.tumblr.com and uh, tell us what we should play. Playing your favorite games next month? Yeah. Um but you know make sure they're actually you know as a warning we'll only play games that are actually good and won't bankrupt us to get a hold of them. So Yeah
0: and anything from you know the sort of fifth generation and earlier as yeah.
1: well. Yeah. But you know like we don't want to have to buy radiant silver gun, but if you want to send it to Barry so he can play it, I'm sure he'd be fine with that i
0: I have lots of modded consoles, so <laughs> I'll pretty much play anything so don't, yeah. don't you know if you, and by all means, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know what we like, so if you think there's something you really love that we might love too, feel free to recommend us stuff individually as well but yeah, we'll make a decision in the next week or so and then yes, yeah, so and we will that. let you know and then we will do that. So thank you very much for getting in touch and uh, we're going to hear a wee bit of music from you this month and then we're going to say cheerio, so... That's the plan. We'll be back in a wee minute.
1: Mega Drive platforming classic Decap Attack. Ah. Um, which was a, a fun game, kind of similar to Zombies and it was sort of... Um, Wrapped up in that uh, schlock horror styling, um, the idea that you played a guy called uh, Chuck D Head, who was a, a zombie who'd had his actual uh, zombie guy was a mummy who'd had his actual head sort of rammed into his chest mm-hmm. somehow, um, and then he he like teamed up with like a a little alive skull who like balanced on his shoulders, but like uh, the mummy guy could uh, throw the head at ah. enemies to kill them. Um, but yeah, it was that—that that was a, a great fun game with a, a lovely aesthetic, uh, and some absolutely ripping music.
0: That's what I like to hear.
1: So um, yeah, this is one of those sort of soundtracks as a whole that sort of stuck with me ever since playing the game. Just mm. sort of like, yeah, yeah, that was really good. Uh, and I've picked out a, a tasty wee treat from stage five which uh, I mean it's all it's all great music especially some of the title screen music and things like that which you can all check out on YouTube but this in particular should be a, a raging wee spooky treat to to take you home and then and then after you're done listening to this you, we'll let you go outside in the sunshine
0: totally or we'll also let you stay indoors and continue to play video games whichever you'd rather listen to your heart stay inside listen just do whatever you want to
1: stay inside
0: mm. so aye, um we'll be back next month playing your games Which is quite exciting. Yeah. Do you want to do the the outro? Aye. We'll be back next month playing games that you used to love, games that you still love, and games that you hope we'll love too. It's going to be different, Mm. but it's going to be good. No Dark Souls.